0: Hi, I'm Scott Matula, and uh, I'm an art teacher, and, you know, when I'm not having kids paint macaroni, (laughs) I'm (laughs) listening to Set Lusting Bruce.
1: And welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. But tonight, we are doing one of our podcast crossover episodes. I reached out to that thing they call social media. I found a new friend, David. And David uh, hosts some podcasts. And I said, Hey, would you want to join me? And he was kind enough to say yes. So, welcome to the show, David.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Uh,
1: So, tell us a little about yourself. Give us your elevator pitch.
2: Sure, sure. So, uh, I'm a music composer. That's uh, how I first introduced myself. Um, But I also do a bunch of other stuff. I I compose music for film, I also put out albums of instrumental music. Um, But aside from that, I also uh, have two podcasts. Um, one of them, the one that I host myself, is called Piecing It Together, and it's about movies. And uh, the the main idea of it is that we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it. So it's a little twist on the usual uh, movie review style podcast. And then the other one is more of a uh, uh, politics and news and just joking around kind of a show. It's called Bird Road. And so, yeah, I, I'm in podcasts, I'm in music, and then also my family has a record store here in Las Vegas called Wax Tracks Records, and that's where you'll find me during the day.
1: Very cool. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about your podcasting um, because uh, p- piecing it together sounds really interesting. Um, and because, okay just just don't talk about it now Jesse because there are so many there's <laughs> there's homages and there's flat ripoffs and there you know is it a unique twist so yeah I think that would be something really cool to talk about so I'm gonna put a pin in that as they say <laughs> in business school um as I shared with you um, this is a music podcast it's mostly about Bruce Springsteen. But Mm -hmm. I routinely have fans of other bands and musicians that they're passionate about. We just did a Counting Crows episode uh, that was just a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, the guy guy who was on uh, said that um, he moved from England to the U.S., only sort of so that he could go to more counting crow show. (laughs) He said, (laughs) he said that wasn't the only reason, but it was at least in the list of good things. So, uh, we appreciate that, but I always like to go back because I'm fascinated by people growing up. So talk about what kind of music you listen to your family, listened to, and when you were a kid and then get, lead me up to high school.
2: Sure. Um, well, I mean, the number one thing in our household was a lot of doo-wop music um, because my uh, my family's record store, Wax Tracks, their specialty has always been doo-wop music and like uh, oldies and soul and that kind of stuff. And so there was always a lot of that around. But my mom is, uh, she's a really interesting character. People love her. Um, she is big into rock and roll as well as heavy metal and even rap music. And so I had a lot of really a lot of everything around uh, growing up. She was definitely the first one that had Bruce Springsteen playing in the house, Um, but she was especially partial to Guns N' Roses and Metallica. Um, <laughs> but uh, So there was a lot of different kinds of music around in the house. As I uh, started kind of discovering music on my own, I kind of got into, I, I went through a lot of different phases of music and, of course, still listen to a lot of all of it um as i've grown you know grown up but um the the first was pretty much metal you know a lot of metallica guns and roses that kind of stuff and uh megadeth and all those kind of bands um a lot of metal stuff and then into uh more regular rock as well eventually somewhere in, in high school i really got into industrial music like nine inch nails and ministry uh front 242 those are the bands that um really kind of inspired me to get into making music myself um a lot of those artists they're they're either um solo artists like in front of a computer which is how i do most of my music um and so that like the idea that that was even a thing was really uh inspirational to me but also i just love the music as well um I'm also a big Michael Jackson fan, and uh, a lot, a lot of Michael Jackson's music, especially the later music, kind of delves into a lot of industrial sounds, and so that was just like a harder-edged version of like his instrumentals from his later career. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, lots of different kinds of music, and then of course, um, you know, I do music for films, and obviously, film scores are a big thing for me as well. I'm um, a big fan of film music. But really, when it comes down to it, I pretty much have gotten into like every genre at this point. Uh, there's not much I'm not into. Um, th- there's certain things that I like more than others, but there's great music all around, and I definitely am someone who rejects the idea that there's not good music anymore. Uh, certainly, this uh, decade hasn't exactly been the best, but there's still plenty to find if you know where to look.
1: Um, so, David... There are – I've listened to a lot of interviews and um, there were people that will – I have a friend who was served in the Navy. Hang with Mm -hmm. me. I'm going to make a connection. And he served (laughs) in a submarine. And so he can't watch submarine movies because all he can see is the things they're getting wrong. Mm. Like, you know, um, he says, I have no doubt that Crimson Tide – is a fine movie with drama and the performances would be amazing, but all I can see is that uniform's wrong. No, that wouldn't do that. You can't get there from here. I mean, it <laughs> just goes. So I say this with kind of a hoping not to get my head bit off, but um, I, I, I'm wondering how much Wax Tracks is like high fidelity. The movie, you know, and very much so. Okay, that okay, good. I haven't insulted you. I'm like, I was not at all. Um, you know, I had a um, back in I grew up in um, I graduated high school in '77, and there was um, the local record store in Lake Charles, Louisiana, was called Bookworms Apple, Mm -hmm. and A little bit of a head shop, a lot of albums, you know, a lot of, um, you know, had the section where you had the higher end, you know, albums that were a little rare. Um, uh, His name was Chester, and he looked like the comic book guy
0: in (laughs) The Simpsons.
1: And in fact, he was driving from Lake Charles, Louisiana, to Orange, Texas, about an hour away to pick up his comics and so he started selling comics in his store in the um in the record store. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of fun for me that way you got to go in <laughs> and kind of buy your comics and also you could talk about new music and and everything. And um it it was a great place to hang. You know, it was fun to hear him talking about, you know, music that he liked and what he enjoyed and um he used to complain He's and, and I guess partly is the price, but he said, if if you ask a comic fan,
0: hey, mm. try
1: this comic, I think you'll like it. He says most of them will take it on. He sure. says, But musician music, if you go, hey, this is a really good album, you should try it. Oh, I don't know. I just gonna I you know, I wanted the Steve Miller greatest hits, you know, and versus <laughs> not as wide a range. So you grew up in the record store, I assume.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, how often or how early did your parents start taking you to the store?
2: Oh man, like really early, like I remember uh, even the store and also record trade shows where my dad would go and you know leave with big boxes full of records. and we don't have a distributor for wax tracks. Um, so every the whole store is basically his private collection just turned into a store. Um, but it's, like, incredibly huge. It's three. It's an old house that's been gutted and turned into its three floors, and it's just filled, like, you have to step over records. So, I mean, we have so much stuff, and it's also, like, pretty much, it's kind of, like, famous for being uh, stocked with so much rare stuff, like hard-to-find vinyl, and uh, also memorabilia as well. But, yeah, back when I was a kid, I remember, like, you know, hiding under the table at these record shows, like playing with my transformers and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was around from the early days, and yeah, now now I'm there working.
1: There is a local store here in Dallas called Bill's Record, which mm-hmm. sounds similar. Um, you know, <laughs> nothing is priced. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hardly, you know, I, it's kind of sort of alphabetically, but you know, and you just would, you know, um, my wife would go and find this Kate Bush, um, you know, uh, import and like, Hey, how much is this? Uh, 18. Yeah. uh, I love that. (laughs) That is so cool.
2: It's funny you say that because, uh, my my dad, he's, like, really a character, uh, like I was saying about my mom. They really both are. Uh, my dad is uh, – so he's kind of entered the grumpy old man stage of his life. Sure. Um, he's constantly uh, aching and all that stuff, and so that puts him in a bad mood. And so he's not always exactly as warm as he could be when people – are uh, questioning his pricing methods, which, like you were just saying, it's kind of like, well, it's his collection. He could sell it for what he wants to sell it for, you know. And we usually will go online, try to figure out what, you know, market value is and try to go somewhere below that, you know, to break people a deal. But, you know, a lot of times people were expecting it to be $2 and it's like it's not going to be $2. So um, because of that, you can go online and look for reviews of Wax Track's Records here in Las Vegas And it's actually, we love it. It's hilarious. The reviews are so bad that like people just complaining about my dad and complaining about the store. And they're so funny that this is actually like kind of crazy, but um, Elton John's people read the reviews and thought it was so great that they came in to check the place out and ended up bringing him in and Elton John has become a big customer of our store. Oh, that's uh, so fun. Yeah, it's wild. And him and my dad they fight with each other while they're going over records. They like fight over prices and even though it's Elton John, he's got you know he does not worry about it. But uh yeah, no, it's it's uh it's quite a sight to see and it's you know that's we like I said we we don't worry about those bad reviews to us. They're just hilarious because, you know, we 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 have our customers, and people love the store, you know, because it's uh, it's, you know, it's hard to put a price on things that you really can't find anywhere.
1: Yeah, and the personal experience, and um, I'm just guessing, but um, I could picture. You know, part of the reason why Elton's people suggest that he goes and he goes is it's not, oh, Mr. John, please, whatever you want. You know, it's, yes. you, he's treated just like, you know, another music collector.
0: Absolutely. And,
1: and that's yeah. that's very, very cool. Um, did you ever have a rebel in you that you didn't want to work for your parents? And obviously you have an independent you you. You actually sound like you have four full-time jobs. Yeah, but, right. Uh, <laughs> did, you, did you ever feel this, I don't want to do what they're doing, or you embrace this in the beginning?
2: I always look at it as like the coolest job I could ever have if, you know, I don't get to do my other stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I definitely uh, put probably more of my 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 time my free time and effort and and thoughts into my composing career and stuff like that um but you know i want to build my own thing so it makes sense that i would but it's something where it's always there like i'm not going to not do it you know i i recognize you know what my dad has built and of course i'm always going to be there you know working with him on it even as my career gets bigger my other career
1: yeah do um I have a good friend named Tom Zoller and by the way David I'm gonna apologize right up front I tend to tell a lot of stories um <laughs> and my my um wonderful listening audience has embraced that um the one of my very early talk about reviews um my my only one star review on iTunes is a guy saying um the host is He repeats himself. He tells the same stories. You know, he should get an FAQ. And, um, and I, you know, it, it actually bothered me a little bit till I got over and I said, well, he's missing the whole point. My podcast is a conversation. And so you have not listened to every episode of my podcast. So you haven't heard the story yet. And, and so, um, say anyway, I, I think that's funny, but, um, I have a good friend named Tom Zoller who is an artist. Um, he has uh, written a comic book series called Love and Capes. Um, he just did on Webtoons, a uh, warning label, an online comic. And um, he's very talented and, and a dear friend. But he he cannot remember when he did not want to draw. And he cannot – he's always known – that he wants to be an artist, right he a cartoonist, whatever you know, whatever you want to call him, he's never wavered from that in his mind. Um, in fact, he went to Joe Kubert's art school, um you know, and his parents were like, "Hey, you can study art at a um, you know a regular university." And he said, "I want to work in comics. This is the place to go. This is where I want to go." So, I guess my question is you. Have you always just from the beginning known you wanted to be a musician?
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly since uh seventeen when I first went and got some you know music software and hardware and and started learning how to do it absolutely pretty much immediately at that point uh, before that, it was all just playing video games anyway, so right <laughs> but uh yeah, from that point when I started to like really try to get into it it was like it wasn't gonna ever stop at that point
1: do you um i'm very interested by this um kind of industrial music because um it 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 kind of it's it's definitely sounds creative but it Mm -hmm. also has a little bit of the puzzle and electronic because you're doing, you're using the systems and the music to kind of build something. I think that's sure. a very interesting concept.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I I think I got my first computer when I was uh, 13 or 14, and I mean, computers have always been a big part of my life. And so, you know, I, I'm okay with guitar and bass and piano, but I don't think I could create anything that i would be i I wouldn't be making music that i'm truly proud of on those instruments you know alone but when i combine those with with uh, electronic elements i i create music that i actually really love making and while i mean most of my favorite artists to listen to tend to be like singer songwriters um you know i i doesn't make me love what i'm making any less and that's the main reason i feel like if you're going to you know, take that path of, of being an artist, you know, you got to make music that you like, you know?
1: Yeah. I think, um, whether you're a musician or an artist or a writer, you, your, your, your core audience first is you. It has to be something, it's a story you want to share. It's a music you want to make. It is a, um, you know, art you want to draw. Um, Talk about um, as you got into this. What what kind of steps did you like? When did you, as you started moving in this and doing this kind of industrial? Talk about you know the steps you made in getting better and how you learned. Is sure. this is this a lot of trial and error? Did you uh, listen to a lot of people? And as we talked about with uh, you know uh, piecing it together, did you lose a little bit of that?
2: <laughs> well, um, you know, it's funny when I first started. I mean, that was certainly the goal—the the industrial music that I was uh, I was looking up to those artists and groups. Um, but when I first started, my music was anything but that. Um, the best thing I was able to do when I first started was making some pretty cool rap beats, and so I took a, a pretty big detour into uh, I produced a bunch of rappers here in Las Vegas um making beats for them and recording their vocals and doing the mix but along the way that was you know my way of learning and you know getting getting to be better at what it is that i was doing and as i uh continue to get better i my music really it's first started to get more into the film score side of things which along the way i mean i it wasn't exactly a goal i set out for but um i've like i said i've always loved film scores and i've always loved movies um so the idea of doing music for movies absolutely appealed to me so i just kind of embraced it and ran with it and it was kind of the the push in that direction which kind of took me back around to uh, you know over the last like six seven years that i've been making music that's more uh reminiscent of that industrial sound that i was originally going for um so really it's just you know it's everything kind of just takes you where you're gonna go and then like um you know, one thing i never was really aiming for was like to make like rock music. Really. That wasn't like necessarily, I I love it of course, but it's not what I was trying to make. But then along the way, like, uh, last year I, um, I did music for this movie called bus party to hell. It's this like really ridiculous, like over the top slasher B movie type of movie. Um, Tara Reed's actually in it. And, uh, The music, it's like a total, like, ACDC-style rock song that I, you know, play guitar and sing, and it's like a total rocker, Um, which it's just funny. Like, that's not even something I plan to do, but it's like, you know, as you continue to increase your skills, you know, you just try new things and, you know, find uh, find new ways to do cool stuff within your field.
1: The, um... I have done very little... Um, the closest I've got to scoring something is, um, you know, I'll, I've taken a bunch of pictures of, you know, my son when he was graduating from high school and, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, put them to the house at Pooh Corner, you know. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> uh, and when my stepdad died, I, um, I took, uh, Warren Zavon's, um, Keep Me in Your Heart and kind of put together, um, pictures of my stepdad in, um, you know, gave it to my mom. Um, Do you, does it help when you're scoring the movie? um, Do you just watch it and then you go, okay, um, I think it needs this. Do you work with the director or the writer? How do you determine is this should be a suspenseful scene? Is this should be a funny scene? How do you piece that together?
2: So, really, it does change from project to project. There's no, like, one answer. But generally speaking, my favorite way to work is when, and a lot of times this comes with having worked with the same director multiple times, um, but when they just trust me to do what I think is best. And in in that case, I do just watch the film. I have a little notepad. I write down, you know, just general ideas to go through uh, the whole thing and then start back from the beginning and actually start, uh, playing around, trying to come up with, uh, you know, tones and, you know, sounds that I think are going to uh, fit the scene and just, you know, make sure that whatever I'm doing, I'm I'm doing something that's going to, you know, work properly and, you know, most importantly, help the scene, you know, and not uh, try to overpower it or not try to do uh, something that changes the meaning of the scene.
1: Yeah, I, you know, there is there is times when... And certainly music can help build a scene, uh, whether it's a TV show or a movie, um, mm. where it captures that feeling absolutely uh, beautifully. Uh, so that's that's really cool. Yeah. You mentioned that um, your mom was probably the first person that uh, played Bruce Springsteen for you. Uh, yeah. Just so that my listeners who are going, okay, Jesse – been thirty minutes. Where's Bruce? <laughs> uh talk a little bit about Bruce Springsteen. Uh where you mentioned you're a big singer-songwriter fan. Um yeah. what's your thoughts on Bruce?
2: I I love him. Uh you know, I mean, of course, I love him. Uh I actually, you know, I of course knew all, you know, the big songs and all that growing up. Um, but I would say like now I should mention I um back in two thousand I want to say like four to six or three to six, something around there. I uh, I was a marketing rep for Las Vegas for Sony Music, oh, and so nice. I got I I got to actually help with promoting uh, for the Las Vegas market. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's releases during that time, and that that is when I really like. Up until that point, he was, you know, a great assist guy for me. But at that point is when I really dug in and started to listen to a lot of his catalog. And those newer albums at that moment, I started really listening to. And, I mean, it's just awesome. You know, I mean, there's really, what else can you say about him? You know, he's just uh, such an amazing songwriter. And and really all of his, uh, all the eras of him, you know, they all kind of bring a little something, a little bit different, but um, all equally great. You
1: know that's that's interesting. You talked about that. Um, I've got coming up um, actually this week as we're recording this. Um, I have uh, Bill Wolfe, who is a professor um, at Saint Joseph's, and he had done an academic study on Springsteen's music. And he was on the show, and we were talking, and um, and I kind of asked them just. I said, hey, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, um, you know, if you had to put um, in periods the same way that, you know, perhaps you'd put a classical composer or an artist, they're different periods. And he said, oh, okay, let's think about that. He says, you know, and he he talked about that, you know, kind of – I said I would go up to – his pre signing and his two albums is an error. And then the born to run through, um, you know, Nebraska kind of is an error then, yeah. you know, or maybe up to the river and then, you know, the river born in, born, you know, the river, then born in the USA and then uh tunnel of love, then the dark years, then kind of a, refresh that you're talking about where he didn't you know magic wrecking ball working on a dream and mm-hmm. then now then it's the broadway era um yeah. it is kind of interesting he turned 69 yesterday and um of course i'm biased but it appears at least from my mind he is still out there making good music and still pushing himself as an artist
2: i would say so yeah absolutely um You know, I would say uh, Wrecking Ball specifically was like that year was probably one of my favorite albums of the year and definitely one of my favorite albums of the last decade. Uh, I love Wrecking Ball.
1: Yeah, that is my wife's favorite album of him. She is not a big Bruce fan, but she loves that album. And I do think it's I know in his um, his autobiography, he was a little he shared he was a little disappointed that it did not you know he really had felt like he had something to say and he was a little disappointed that it did not do as well as perhaps some of his other albums that's but, funny
2: that he uh, says that because i i actually i actually had my own disappointment that the title track didn't become a big hit <laughs> because <yeah. laughs> it's like it's like so good like come on like yeah
1: it is um <laughs> and i i think it's neat uh, that a couple of songs of that have stayed in the rotation Mm Uh, yeah. And there is, um, not to get into politics, but, um, once again, you know, uh, Bill Wolf was talking about that, you know, I brought death to my hometown is one of his angriest songs. And, you know, he says that's the, almost the anthem of the, uh, resistance of current, you know, in the current political, um, you know, atmosphere. Um, that's pretty amazing. Oh yeah. Um, so, you mentioned about Loving Wrecking Ball. Any other favorite songs or memories? And by the way, have you seen him perform live?
2: So, okay, I was anticipating that question. And <laughs> in, uh, in thinking about that, so the, the sad thing is that no, I've never seen a Bruce Springsteen concert. He does not uh, go
1: to Las Vegas. He's he doesn't. Like twice. Yeah. I think.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And the last time. I think I was going to be out of town at the same time as the show, and then the other time was before I actually moved here uh, when I was much younger. Uh, However, and I I had to email my old boss from Sony to get a confirmation on this. Um, We were at the South by Southwest listening party for Devils and Dust when he was there. And I... Um like I had actually forgotten about this until you asked me to be on the podcast, and I started thinking about it. And I was like, "He was there, wasn't he?" And I'm like certain that he was there, but it's like such a blur because back then, I mean, there was a lot of alcohol involved in the South by Southwest trip. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, no, he was he was there, and I believe he played one. I think he played "Devils and Dust" uh, like acoustic.
1: Nice. Yeah. Um. That. I'm sure that was a job that was a lot of work. Um, and I could see how it would it would burn you out. But I also yeah. think that's a lot of it must have been fun as well.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. It was some great years for sure. Um really fun. It wasn't like it wasn't like a big job job where you like make a lot of money or anything like that. It was just like a fun job and it led to me. Meeting tons and tons of people and everything, and really just like some just amazing times you know, and a lot of great memories, okay, some fair. of them that, some of them that are hazy, obviously <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so, um talk to me about um your two podcasts. Why did you decide to pick those subjects? Uh, we'll do politics first, and then we'll go to the movie one.
2: Sure. Uh, I mean, that makes sense, too, because the uh, the Bird Road podcast was the first one, uh, and that was something that I started uh, w- with my best friend, David Quinones, uh, who now lives in Miami. He used to live here in Vegas, um, and it's something that we just – we had always talked about doing – we used to do uh, some comedy projects here in Las Vegas back when he used to live here. We always wanted to try to do something after he had moved And so we started talking about doing a podcast and uh, we've both been pretty uh, progressive politics activated lately. And so we thought, you know, let's let's stick to the comedy, but also, you know, fit in some of that kind of politics as well while we're at it and uh, do some skits and do just all kinds of conversations and joking around and and also interviewing people. Um, And so it's been a lot of fun getting to do that. And it's also been kind of the start of his, he wants to do a, um, uh, it's called the All Points West Podcast Network. And so that was kind of his launching pad for that. And then I was always trying to uh, (laughs) veer the conversation towards movies um, because movies are like my favorite thing, like outside of music. And, so rather than constantly trying to force movies into the show, I was like, well, I might as well start my own podcast as well, and as if I didn't need more to do uh, <laughs> with my time. But um, piecing it together was an idea I came up with because I didn't want to, like I said earlier, just do a a movie review podcast. There's just there's so many of them. I wanted to have some kind of a uh, you know some kind of an angle to approach it from and i was thinking about it and really a lot of the times when i'm discussing movies i do talk about what other movies they're like what what movies they remind me of uh little scenes or performances or even the score um or just the the look of it and and there's always even with a very original movie there's always going to be some references you can make and so that became the backbone for it and uh Rather than just having a set uh, co-host or doing it by myself, what I do is every episode is a different co-host. I have like a uh, revolving cast of about five or six people who are on like every couple of weeks or so with me, uh, just mixing it up. And then uh, recently we've been having some new people on as well.
1: Oh, good. Well, who knows? Maybe yeah. a crossover. Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> um, Once again, um, story time, and repeat, um, Tom Soller, my friend who's the artist, um, had a previous relationship, and um, he and one of his best friends after the movie would go for coffee, and they would talk the whole time about what they liked, what they didn't like, what worked, what didn't work, and she said, "Why can't you just you saw the movie and move on?" And they just looked at her like, "That's half the fun. <laughs> yeah. is us doing this, you know?
2: Absolutely. That that's part of the great thing about any form of art. You know, you would you wouldn't tell someone to not talk about a uh, you know a play or a musical or a uh, painting or something. You know, movies are uh, movies are art too. Um."
1: The is there been um I, I just was scanned. You were um you've had a pretty fair amount of uh movies you've discussed. Is is there song is there movies that has surprised you when you discussed them?
2: A uh, good question. Um well, I will say um, just because it's fresh in my mind, we just did uh, yesterday the Predator, the new uh, Predator sequel after right. all these years, and which um, if you listen to the episode, you'll you'll know it, it's definitely not a good movie. Um, but at the same time, it was so much fun to talk about that, like I'm glad it exists and I'm glad I saw it. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. it, it, it it like. It's not good on any form of a technical level, um, but there's a lot to love about it. It's very ridiculous, and uh, Shane Black, who I love, who wrote and directed it, um, I, it I almost want to say I have this theory that he was on purpose trying to make a corny movie. Um, like, like I think he looked at 80s movies and said – you know these movies. If you look at them uh, objectively, they're they're very like corny and cheesy. It's just we have a lot of nostalgia for them, and he just went and made a specifically on purpose corny movie. I don't know if that's true. Maybe I just like him too much. I'm trying to give him too much credit. But that being said, it, it talking about it really brought out the yeah. I I, I kind of like this movie even though it's not good. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um. And I will talk about sometimes um a book or a movie um knows what it is. Mm-hmm. and it's not trying to be anything
2: else exactly.
1: And there is something about that that they embrace that that this is you know, this is what I want to share. And this is what I want. Um, one of my best friends, a guy named Ken Schaefer. Um, loves um, B movies.
0: I mean, mm-hmm. you know,
1: he the the lower the budget, the more he loves it. And, you know, he just adores these. Um, he, and he knows they're cheap horror films, but yeah. But then every once in a while, he's he's very pleasantly surprised that you know, in this little fun little, they did something a little different. And it yeah. was a little clever, and it was that's that's kind of neat, and Absolutely. so yeah, I, I love that.
2: He should check out Bus Party to Hell, by the way, because okay. uh, that is a movie that knows that it is ridiculous. Um, and they, they, you know, if you're into that, the the gore and the the boobs and all that kind of stuff, it's mm-hmm. like it is nonstop of that, and uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And like I said, a bunch of my music's in it.
1: And it's bus party to hell,
2: yep, that's right.
1: Okay, very good. I'm making a list <laughs> uh, um, what um how do you guys pick the movies?
2: Um, so the main uh, episodes of the show are supposed to be like new releases. Um, we We really would do any new release when it comes down to it. we we you know want to do a lot of episodes of the show. Um, but it also, I, I, like to try to keep it to movies that have been out for just like the last couple of weeks and haven't like gotten old cause I want to like get in on it while it's new. But then at the same time, I need one of my friends or people who have been on the show uh, or who want to be on the show, uh, to have also seen it and for each of us to have some ideas in mind to want to talk about. Um, so, you know, obviously we can't do every movie. Um, but so far, you know, so good. We've been able to just you know keep a constant stream of episodes and then i also just started a new thing um a few weeks back it's like a it's part of the show but it's um it's called breaking it apart and it's a series of episodes that do the theme backwards and so instead of looking at a new movie and figuring out what movies inspired it we look at an old movie and end up with a list of movies that were inspired by it and uh so that allows us to like if we're you know, we just want to get a few new episodes in just, you know, out of the blue, uh, we can go take a look at an old movie. So far we did The Big Lebowski and we did 2001 A Space Odyssey.
1: You know, I, I think about that sometimes because I will um, – like one of my favorite movies is John Ford's Stagecoach. And, um, and if you look at it, it appears just this whole thing of cliches, mm-hmm. but when it came out, it wasn't necessarily a bunch of cliches. Um, and, you know, a lot of people had the same complaint about um, John Carter, you know, Mars. Sure. You know, because they're like, oh, this is all a ripoff of star Wars. No, the original <laughs> Edgar Rice Burroughs book was, you know, and so I think that's a really cool thing to think about is where, where did this come from? Yeah. Where, where did this, it show it's, it's, um, I guess it's, it's lineage. That's very cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, also I find that there's like a lot of, um, uh, a lot of classics that I, you know, skipped over at some point. And so it really like, it uh it it leads to a good list of movies that it's like if you haven't seen it, you kinda gotta go see it at some point. You know, like beat this high on your list.
1: You again, um very interesting. A few years ago, um I ended up um renting the original The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm-hmm. Um and I went, Oh, okay. You know, this is one of those Everyone say it's a good movie. Let me, you know, I'm going to eat my vegetables. And I was amazed at how well the movie stood up and how good of a story it was. And I went, wow, th- this is a good movie. Yep. Not, not for its time, just flat. This is a good movie. Right. Um, right. And, and so I think that's very, very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, any, um, you said that the uh, predator. Anything else that you kind of, you you were you were really happy how it came out.
2: Um, there's been a lot of uh, movies that have just been like a lot of fun to talk about. Um, one was uh, Sorry to Bother You, which uh, that really um, I did that one with uh, my friend Q, the the host of uh, Bird Road. Uh, It was like a crossover episode between our two podcasts together. And uh, it it was fun because that movie is so overtly political. Um, It's a pretty big anti-capitalist message in the movie. And so it gave us a lot to talk about that really kind of covered both podcasts. Um, So that was a really fun one to talk about. Um, I also had uh, a really good time doing the the movie Skyscraper uh, with The Rock um that was a really fun one to talk about it it, it's a movie that um again kind of like uh the predator wasn't exactly great um but it 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 had so much inspiration like right on its sleeve that it just gave you like free reign to just talk about so many other movies and that's like kind of the funny thing about the podcast is we just can kind of go i mean I I have a feeling at some point in the history of doing this show, we're eventually going to get to a movie where we're just talking about other movies the whole time and aren't even really getting to the movie that we're technically covering. You know, it's like that's what I I think makes it fun is really like, no, uh, you you don't have to like you don't have to really break down the specific movie that we're talking about. We could go on these. Tangents talking about all these other movies that uh, were in, uh, that were an inspiration to it.
1: This, this sounds a lot of fun. This
2: sounds yeah. a whole lot of fun. I'm
1: definitely going to have to check it out. Um, so um, we're going to wrap it up pretty quick. Um, I, I've kept you for a while. But um, I do, before I have to get you off, I do got to ask you the Mary question. Now okay. – um, Jay Ferguson, Jay Armstrong, I'm sorry, uh, has been on the podcast. He is an honors English teacher in the Philly area, and he teaches seniors. He teaches creative writing. He teaches English, and he has every year he teaches a um, one of his um, subjects he covers is Thunder Road and they cover it as a poem, and they compare it to Robert Frost's The Road Less Traveled. And they spend uh, two classrooms, two classes, talking about the imagery on the uh, song. Um, They discuss it, they dissect it, and then it comes back to the end of the session. He asks his students, does Mary get in the car? The premise is that Mary, Thunder Road is all about making a choice, mm-hmm. and so that's my question to you, David. Does Mary get in the car?
2: Oh boy, um, that is a good question um <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with no,
1: yes, any
2: reason why um. I don't know. I guess uh I guess I I like sad music a lot. <laughs> so, you know, uh I, I like to look at uh at darker darker elements, you know?
1: Yeah. The, what's funny is that's exactly Jay's answer. Jay's answer is he would not like the song as much if he thought she did get in the car. Right? Um he thinks she's too afraid and that um the guy singing the song um left without her because he was i'm ready to move on yep. i'm not afraid of taking a choice and she was too afraid <laughs> i being an optimist growing up with yep. Walt Disney movies believe she we does need get in the we car. need some
2: of you guys we need exactly. some of you like
1: there we go um very good answer all right if someone wants to check out the podcast uh give the names again and then also how we can reach you
2: Sure. So uh, Piecing It Together podcast, available on all the podcast apps, and also our website, piecingpod.com. It's also at piecingpod on all the social media. Bird Road podcast, also available everywhere. It's birdroadpodcast.com and birdroadpodcast on all the social media. Uh, And then for my music, uh, you could check out David Rosen. I have four albums, the most recent of which is A Different Kind of Dream Uh, All of my albums are available on iTunes. Uh, They're also available on Spotify and all the streaming services as well. And you can check out my website, bydavidrosen.com. And also, just to mention, I just put out a new music video for the song Artificial. It's a really cool music video. I hope a lot of you check it out. Uh, You can check it out on my YouTube channel, which is Music by David Rosen.
1: Yeah, uh, we hardly even got into um, your music. I love that the concept, and I love that you're pushing yourself creatively, trying to um, not limiting yourself with just
2: one genre. Sure. Um, Sure.
1: How about Wax Tracks? Is it got a
2: website? Oh, yeah. Check out, actually, uh, Wax Tracks Records, Inc., uh, like incorporated on Facebook. Um, And on there, uh, we have a, a lot of pictures of the store, and also sometimes... Uh, I'll post little funny quotes from my dad, little ridiculous things he says, as well as uh, little videos and stuff like that. So check us out on uh, Facebook.
1: All right. Hang tight while I do a little bit of business. Um, if you want to be on the podcast and share your story, um, reach out to me. I'm at set, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show's Twitter is at setlustingbruce. Uh, both David and I would appreciate if you would go to iTunes and rate and review our podcast. Um, I cannot tell you how much it helps us find listeners when the man on Google does a search. And when iTunes, you do a search, the more reviews you have, the better it finds. And that's how we find new listeners. David, we gotta do this again. I had Absolutely. too much fun. I feel like we just got started. So, <laughs> um, any final thoughts?
2: Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just uh, happy to be here. It was a really fun talk, and uh, I, this is putting me in the mood to go listen to some Bruce Springsteen after this. So.
1: Always, It's always a good time to hear Bruce Springsteen. All right, <laughs> with that, well, thank you, listeners. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.